All right. Want to go ahead and read the thing? The beautiful land of Scotland is home to haggis, wonderful Scottish people, and vast offshore oil fields. About 193 kilometers north of Aberdeen, there lies the Piper oil field, surrounded by Tartan and Claymore. The Occidental Petroleum Company built the Piper Alpha platform in 1976, and it became the single largest supplier of oil in the world, accounting for 10% of the North Sea production. A crew of over 200 workers staffed the platform, working day and night shifts to feed the insatiable call for petroleum. On the night of July 6, 1988, a series of mistakes and miscommunications led to disaster, ending with 160 people losing their lives between hellfire and the deep blue sea. The testimony of survivors and witnesses, as well as a thorough inquiry, could only uncover what likely happened on that night, and also the complex path leading up to it, the missed opportunities and early warnings which may have prevented it. On this episode of Relative Disasters, the 1988 Piper Alpha Explosion. Greg, that sounds super horrifying. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it, it combines two really nasty fears, burning to death and drowning and burning to death. It's, it's those bad. industrial accidents. Yeah. There's so much worse than the household kind. Welcome to Relative Disasters, the show where my sister and I manage our existential dread by talking about terrible and interesting historical events, their context, implications, and any related sidebars we feel like discussing. I'm Greg, Safety and Maintenance Analyst for Relative Disasters Offshore Inspection Services. And I'm his sister, Ella, Insurance Claims Investigator for the Relative Disasters Liability Corporation. So to start off, um, our primary sources for this episode are an excellent article in the Chemical Engineer magazine uh, called Piper Alpha, The Disaster in Detail, mm -hmm. uh, written by Fiona McLeod at all. Piper Alpha, the world's deadliest offshore oil disaster from safety for sea. And the Lloyds of London, uh, Piper Alpha Catastrophe and Claims article. Lloyds of London is always a riveting read. So, a little background. About 120 miles northeast of Aberdeen, there is the Piper oil field. It was discovered in January of 1973. And it was one of the first of the Northern Sea deep water reservoirs to really get tapped into. Production started in December of 1976, uh, which is less than four years after they discovered the field. Which yeah, is that's pretty quick. Very fast. Yeah, they must have been motivated. Well, money is a motivator. <laughs> yes, it uh, is. Oil uh, was pumped through a subsea line mm -hmm. that was 128 miles long to the refinery on the island in the Orkneys. So it was incredibly productive. The Piper Field was surrounded by two other fields, uh, Tartan and Claymore, mm -hmm. and they both were pumping uh, directly to the Piper platform, and then all of them sort of joined up and pumped to the Orkneys. Oh, okay. I didn't realize they so, had a refinery out there. That's pretty wild. The actual refinery was, was on that island, mm -hmm. but they would sort of collect everything at Piper Alpha mm -hmm. and then push it out. Now, it didn't always used to be that way because 
the main change was that in 1978, they retrofitted a gas treatment plant onto Piper Alpha. Mm -hmm. So the way that that works is that you have water and hydrogen sulfide get pulled out and then gas is compressed and cooled by expansion. Mm -hmm. And the heaviest fractions of that gas is essentially propane and that's liquid. And the rest of the gas, which is mainly methane, gets exported out. And then the condensate collects in a very large vessel, okay, connected to two condensate pumps, and then gets injected into the oil for export to the island refinery. And because of this, uh, this retrofit basically ruined the safety mechanisms in place on Piper Alpha. It sounds like a lot of combustible things happening there. Well, there were a lot of combustible things beforehand, right, but right. everything was compartmentalized when it was just pumping oil. Okay. Once they put the gas part on there, they basically had to kind of put it through where the modular stuff was. Mm -hmm. And what that led to was a lot more crossover than was safe. Can you tell me again how yeah. far offshore Piper Alpha is? Are we talking about 120 miles? Okay. Okay. 120 That's miles offshore. A ways out. Yep. It's a ways out, which makes uh, the fact that you could see some of what happens next at 70 miles away uh, even more upsetting. So Piper Alpha had two ways of getting rid of the gas. One is called flaring, and then the other is the exporting. So flaring is basically you pump it up a pipe and you light it on fire, mm -hmm. and it just burns off and goes away. And it's it's, you know, it's a pollutant, but it's not unsafe or anything. Now, phase two is where you do all that compressing and condensating, and then you pump it back out. And Piper Alpha was operating in phase two mode mm -hmm. before the disaster. So it could go back and forth. It could go back and forth, okay. yes, but they wanted the gas. Right. That was the whole point of the retrofit. They wanted the gas. And keep in mind, the retrofit had gone fine for 10 years. Sure. It was retrofitted in December of 78, and things didn't go badly until July of 1988. So Okay. Yeah. So, you know, a good a good 10 years. That's Let me guess. Not great. They had a warranty and the day after it expired. Yes, that's usually how it happens. Mm -hmm. It's like a refrigerator just costing billions of dollars. So three days before the disaster, the molecular sieves, which are what separates out the water and hydrogen sulfide, mm -hmm. they needed to be taken out for routine maintenance. This process wears right through these things. So you've got to change them in and out fairly frequently, okay? Okay. And then they reconfigured Piper Alpha to run in phase one mode. Now, phase one mode is where you pipe the excess gas up a pipe and flare it, okay? Right. So condensate is still being removed from the gas and injected into the oil export line, but any gas beyond that required for running the generators and the gas lift system gets flared off. Okay. Okay. So you have two pumps. You have pump A and pump B. Those are displacing the condensate for transport to the coast. On the morning of July 6th, pump A's pressure safety valve gets removed for routine maintenance, okay? This was a two-year overhaul, and it was fully planned. Mm -hmm. It was just this was the day that they were starting. Now, 
the open condensate pipe gets sealed with a disc cover. A disc cover, also called a blind flange or a blank flange, is basically just a flat metal disc. Like a manhole okay? cover? Sort of, but think of it um Is there thinner, like screwing or bolting or something? Nope. Well, yeah, it's bolted, but it's only, in this case, it's only hand tightened. Okay. Now, they take the pipe offline and they put the flange in at about noon. And because the maintenance crew couldn't complete everything by 6 p.m., remember, this is a, a, a long overhaul sort of thing. Right. They put the disc cover on it. It remains in place. And the on-duty engineer files uh, a piece of paperwork that says... Do not, under any circumstances, switch on pump A. Oh, this is pre-computers. Yes. They're doing it all analog. He fills in this form, and this form gets filed, mm -hmm. and the day shift ends, and the night shift starts. Did he, like, put a little sticky note on there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think of it, think of it like a, a very important sticky note. <laughs> <laughs> you said it got filed, though. Wouldn't it need to go to somebody? So the way that it works is that basically you have this very complex filing system mm -hmm. where each permit and slip gets filed in a separate area depending on what is being worked on. So he files this thing where it's supposed to be in. Okay. All right. Now, the day shift ends, the night shift starts, and during the changeover, the engineer didn't tell the, the custodian about pump A. He just placed the permit on the control center and left. Okay. And the permit just vanished. It's windy out there. It, it fell off somebody's desk. It wasn't seen. And there's another permit mm -hmm. that says, hey, don't forget to overhaul pump A. Oh, dear. Yeah. Because remember, pump A is the one that they're working on. So right. now Piper Alpha, like many offshore platforms, has an automatic firefighting system. OK, you've got diesel pumps and electric pumps. Mm -hmm. And what those pumps do is they suck in a huge amount of seawater in case something lights on fire. OK, they suck that in and, and you can direct them to spray just about anywhere because a fire on an oil platform, as you can imagine, is bad. Yeah. And the pumps are under automatic control. Anytime they sense fire, they suck in a bunch of water, dump the water on the fire, put out the fire. Like a sprinkler system. Sure. Like a very, very hardcore sprinkler system. You light one now, cigarette and off it goes. Then the whole movie theater gets mad at you. Exactly. Exactly. Now, there is one drawback to these pumps. Mm -hmm. The automatic control works great. The only drawback is that they can't be remotely started from the control room in case of an emergency. Okay. Which isn't a big deal because they can still be started manually from the firefighting system console, basically. Okay. However, uh, they'd shut off the automatic control and put it under manual control on the evening of July 6th, because it was policy, it was procedure to put the pumps under manual control whenever there were divers in the water. Because okay, that you does don't actually wanna... make sense. You don't want to suck Yeah, it up makes a diver. perfect sense. Exactly. Right. Now, in reality, the divers weren't worried about it whatsoever, because unless they were in like 10 to 15 feet of those uh, intake mm -hmm. pipes, they weren't going to be in any danger. 
Yeah, it's still a pretty horrible vision, though. I can see why oh, they yeah, have that yeah, policy. Yeah. You don't want to have that happen. Yeah, exactly. Now, because the methanol system has been shut down and giving them problems, mm-hmm. a substance called methane clathrate is starting to build up in the gas compression system pipework. Methane clathrate is basically flammable ice. Wow. Okay, okay that sounds super horrible. Oh, yeah. It's not great. Uh, and it's building up inside condensate pump B. Okay. Now, condensate pump B, remember, the condensate pumps are there to, you know, filter the stuff and push it down the oil line. And the buildup of this ice that can catch on fire shuts down pump B. So pump B is blocked off and it can't be restarted. Now, the entire power supply depends on this pump. Mm -hmm. So the manager has to try to bring the pump back online. He starts filing through the paperwork to determine whether or not he should just throw on pump A. Mm-hmm. He finds the permit for pump A to be overhauled. But he doesn't find the little piece of paper that blew up the But he doesn't the find the permit saying, don't start it under any circumstances. Oh, That's See, correct. this is why we have computers. <laughs> and I mean, this is... the forms filled out this in triplicate. Is also, okay, and, and being an archivist, I know this is going to drive you nuts. And we use a sticky note. Thank you very much. Because here's the thing. Uh-huh. The permits were stored in different boxes because they were sorted by location, Mm -hmm. which meant that instead of the permit being sorted with the pump, Mm -hmm. like you would think it would be, it was sorted with the valve. See, that's the problem with analog materials. Once you get into the digital, you can cross-index, but the analog, you have to make a priority decision. And you also have to know that something is missing. Mm. Yeah, good point. And nobody on the night shift who is in the control room has any idea that the overhaul of pump A has started. Whoops. Since the only paperwork he has in front of him says, don't forget we need to overhaul pump A pretty soon. Right. He says, all right, because pump B is blocked, start up pump A. Also, I hate this they so much. I hate this so they much. Can't <laughs> see, they can't see the missing valve. Right. Because it's several meters above ground level and there's a bunch of machinery in the way. Okay. Okay. Now, so he has to make he has to make a judgment call. Pump B is blocked off because of the flaming ice, which isn't flaming yet, but could. Uh-huh. And they flip on pump A. Now, at this point, all we have is conjecture. Because there are no survivors to the actual line of thought that happened here. Oh man. Okay. So, the first thing that happens is people outside hear a very high-pitched screeching noise, Mm -hmm. and then a flash, and that boomph of a gas explosion. Oh, dear. The men in the control room are knocked off their feet. Uh, The people who were off-duty in the accommodation module are thrown out of their beds. Mm -hmm. Module C, which is the gas compressor module, Mm -hmm. explodes. Now, what that does is causes the condensate line teeing into the main oil line module b to rupture there it is a fireball large enough to be seen 70 miles away goes up into the sky oh my gosh what had happened was when pump a was switched on Mm -hmm. gas flowed into the pump and because the safety valve was gone it almost immediately overpressured that metal disc Mm. 
gas leaks out at high pressure, triggering six gas alarms, including the high-level gas alarm, but igniting almost immediately, blowing through the firewall. The custodian in charge presses the emergency stop button, which closes the sea lines Mm -hmm. and ceases all oil and gas extraction. Theoretically, that stops it, right? Because there's no oil and gas coming in, the fire's blown out, people are shaken up, but not hurt. However, the firewalls were designed to resist fire Mm -hmm. because the platform was originally built for oil. Oh, no. Yep. Oh, no. When it got, uh, when they they refitted it to also work in gas, Mm -hmm. the firewalls, as I said, they were built to resist fire, not explosions. Mm. So the first explosion blows apart the firewall and dislodges the panels, which rupture pipe C. And that starts the main fire. A mayday is signaled uh, via radio by their radio operator. I'm sorry, the mayday was not signaled by the giant fireball? Does, doesn't that kind of read mayday in a way? Well, maybe they thought they were just blowing off steam. This is a con- confirmed mayday. Okay. A formal. <laughs> a formal mayday. Gotcha. And here's, and here's, here's what happens. Because the modular design of the platform never really took into account what would happen if the control room itself was disintegrated by explosion. Uh-huh. There's no failsafe in place for when exactly that thing happens. Whoops. There is nobody to use the loudspeakers to order an evacuation. Mm-hmm. There's nobody to sound the alarms. And there's nobody to warn everybody about what exactly is happening. So it's just like flaming chaos at this point. So at this point, basically think about it almost like a ship uh-huh. and the first people to get blown up are the captain. Oh, so that's, yeah, that's There's not... nobody in charge all of a sudden. Um, now, okay. in an emergency, the basic thing is that all the workers are supposed to make their way to the lifeboat stations. Mm-hmm. The problem is the entire platform is on fire. Sure. They can't get to the lifeboat stations. However, the accommodation block that's under the helicopter deck is fireproofed. Okay? Mm -hmm. So a lot of people move into those accommodation blocks and basically try to wait it out. Okay? Now, are the sprinklers coming on? Is that fire suppression system working at all? No, the fire suppression system is blown out because there's nothing to there's nothing to power it. Oh dang. As soon as everything got blown up, there goes all your electricity. Right. There's no way a helicopter can land because everything's on fire. Mm-hmm. And the personnel block starts to get s- filled with smoke. Uh two men attempt to don protective gear and reach the diesel pumping machinery below decks and activate the firefighting system. Mm-hmm. They are never seen again. Oh jeez. The fire would have burnt out if it had just been made of the oil that was being pumped immediately from the platform. Because remember, the the head custodian hit the emergency shutoff. Mm -hmm. The problem is the Tartan and Claymore platforms are still pumping and the back pressure from their pumping is forcing fuel out of the broken pipes back onto Piper directly in the fire Mm. and this is the this is the worst part the claymore platform kept pumping oil through the entirety of it because he didn't have permission from the the uh 
the Occidental Oil Company control center to shut it down. I'm sorry. Their neighbor is on fire and they are continuing to pump? They don't have permission to shut down, yeah. Capitalism um, truly is a scourge. The best system. <laughs> upon us all. Uh, the connecting gas pipeline uh -huh. that, that they're sharing with the Tartan platform is also still pumping oh, because no. the manager of Tartan has been directed by his superior to keep pumping. The reason was because if they shut down, it would have taken several days to restart production after the stop with substantial financial consequences. Capitalism. Truly. Now, just to give you an idea, mm -hmm. these gas pipelines that are running to Piper Alpha mm -hmm. are 16 and 18 inch di in diameter. Now, because of their length and diameter, mm -hmm. it would have taken several hours to reduce their pressure. Right. Which meant that if you had tried fighting a fire with them, you would literally be trying to put out a gasoline fire with water and all this other stuff, and it would be impossible. So Occidental Oil Management knew this. Mm -hmm. And even though they knew this, there were standing orders to not switch off Claymore and Tartan at the first emergency call. So the executives who are making these decisions are not on Piper Alpha. Oh, no. Is that, no, is no, that no. the, right, <laughs> the that right guess? They may have made different decisions if they had been. Where are they? Is this like five time zones away and they have no idea what's going on? Yeah, they're back, they're back in their comfortable living rooms going, it's fine. Okay. It has only been about 10 minutes since the initial explosion. Oh, man. Okay. The RAF station uh, that is closest receives the mayday mm -hmm. and they launch a helicopter try to see what's going on and rescue as many people as they can. Mm -hmm. Five to 10 minutes later, the tartan gas line ruptures. It had been pressurized to about 120 atmospheres. Mm -hmm. Okay. It literally melted the gas line, which released about 15 to 30 tons of high pressure gas every second, pretty much directly into the fire. And that made everything better. Oh, yeah. They dispatched a uh, semi-submersible firefighting rescue vessel called the Theros. Mm -hmm. And it, it pulls up alongside Piper Alpha, and it starts using its water cannon. But the problem is, is that the water cannon is a very, very powerful cannon, mm -hmm. and they're worried about injuring or killing people by hitting them with water, which is an absolute real thing that would have happened. Right. So they can't really spray directly into the fire without knowing where the people are. Is that okay? going to do anything, though? Water on a gas it fire? It can. At the very least, it could spread it out a little. you got to also see, like, the oil that's been spilling out of here uh -huh. is also on fire. Right. So the ocean is aflame at this point. Great. Okay. Now, the riser... For the MCP-01 platform, ruptures as well. That's the second gas line. Okay. Millions of cubic feet of gas start going out. Flames are going up at 90 meters into the air. Yeah, that sounds about right. The Theros has to withdraw because its deck is starting to melt. Mm. Now, after this explosion... The Claymore platform stops pumping. Mm -hmm. 
At this point, we still have some people alive. They're either sheltering in the accommodation block, which is filling up with smoke, Mm -hmm. or they are jumping from the different decks into the ocean. Right. Including the helideck, which is 50 meters off the ocean. That's 175 feet. Yeah. Now, a fast rescue boat had been launched and had pulled six crewmen from the water Mm -hmm. and had been trapped by debris. And that second explosion killed everyone on that oh, rescue geez. boat. jeez. Okay, that's horrible. Yeah. And finally, the gas pipeline, the, the full pipeline connecting Piper Alpha to the Claymore platform ruptures as well. Mm-hmm. The firestorm on Piper Alpha is hellish. There's no other description. It's been about two and a half hours since the initial flames. Mm-hmm. There's nothing left that can support the heavier structures on... The platform and so the entire platform starts to collapse the crane goes first mm-hmm. the drilling derrick follows it and the generation and utilities module which includes the fireproofed accommodation block goes into the ocean as well meaning all of those people who had been sitting there waiting for rescue go underwater and there were and definitely people still alive on the platform at that point that does not seem possible in- in that accommodation block, mm-hmm. yeah, oh, um, but but they all drowned. Oh, that's horrible. By twelve forty-five a.m., the platform was completely ruined and in the ocean. Was there anything left at all? Yeah, there was still some stands. Mm-hmm. That's about it. Okay. The fires from the well and oil and gas lines, remember, all of which had ruptured, right? Spectacularly. <laughs> at their height, produced. A flame that shot up to 200 meters and an energy consumption of approximately 100 gigawatts. Sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. There were 226 people on the platform that night. 61 of them survived. Which to me honestly seems high. Yeah, that was more than I would have guessed. Yeah. Uh, All of the people who survived suffered injuries, including a lot of post-trauma. Yeah. Most of the people who died, died of smoke inhalation. Mm -hmm. The rest were killed by drowning, burns, and in some cases, uh, the bodies were just so far gone the cause of death couldn't be established. And 30 people were never recovered. That actually sounds lower than I thought it would be. Approximately 81 people had been sheltering in the accommodation module when it went into the sea. Oh, and man. again, none of them came up. That, that to me is that's, the that's most horrible. That's really hard. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Because you're doing what you're supposed to do. You're, you're, you're supposed to be sheltering in the fireproof thing. Mm-hmm. And then literally the, the, the solid steel floor melts out from under you. What, are you. what can you possibly have done, you know? Yeah. Uh, the people who jumped into the sea, very, very few of those survived as well. Sure. Um, the majority of the survivors were the divers who were in the ocean at the time. Oh, interesting. Because they were already in the water and... Just swam away. They had breathing supplies and everything else. The remains of Piper Alpha mm-hmm. were finally toppled into the sea... Almost a year later, in March of 1989. Yeah, you don't want to leave something like that out there. Lying around, yeah. Lying around, yeah. That is incredibly horrible. Wow. Oh, yeah. That's so much worse than I remember. About a week after the disaster, Mm -hmm. a Lord Cullen is appointed to hold a public inquiry about the accident. 
This public inquiry goes on for 180 days. Sure. And then a report called the Cullen's Report was published in 1990. Mm -hmm. It heard evidence from most of the survivors, several experts. Uh, The problem was was that (laughs) no senior member of Piper Alpha's management team survived. Yeah. All of them died. Yep. So the inquiry is what establishes that the most likely cause of the first explosion was the unsecured blind flange in Module C, mm-hmm. which had been swapped out as part of routine maintenance. There was no way for the the night shift operators to know that they shouldn't have started pump A. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they did that, it it blew up. But there's nobody left alive who can speak to the specific it, like decision. There's nobody making. left alive who can say yeah. that's what happened. Yeah, exactly. And the stuff is so melted that yeah. there's no way to really reconstruct it. Um and a number it is worth pointing out that a number of the survivors do disagree with the official findings. What are the other theories? Um I'm not going to get into them here because they don't have the full weight of evidence behind them. Mm -hmm. And some of them also carry some fairly significant libel risks. But uh, suffice it to say that this is likely what happened. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it it could have happened a different way as well. Basically, it was a domino effect where as soon as the first explosion happened with enough to damage and destroy the control room, mm-hmm. that's uh, that's about it. Uh, nothing that they could have done from there could have saved anything because without the radio, they couldn't warn anybody. Right. And it was it was pretty much brought down to the uh, the process safety, the the fixed fire protection system mm-hmm. never ever activated. The the water would not have put oil fires or gas fires out because that would have been, you know, that doesn't that's not how that works. Right. But it might have prevented the gas line ruptures. Hmm. The problem was, was that they were switched off because people uh, were in the water at the time. Right. And there was no way to start the pumps manually once the fire was going because you you just couldn't get to them. Mm-hmm. Really, the most shocking things about this was the inability to evacuate people yeah that's pretty horrible now here's the problem their their assumption Mm -hmm. was that no event on piper alpha could render the helideck inoperative and there were sufficient helicopters to evacuate everyone on board Mm -hmm. so Evacuation by helicopter was the only evacuation protocol. They didn't have lifeboats or life jackets? There were inflatable life rafts and lifeboats on Piper Alpha, Mm -hmm. but there was no way to get to them once the fire broke out. Right. So. Beyond horrible. And here's the other thing. Mm -hmm. And this is the part that a lot of things gloss over with this. This is actually the second accident on Piper Alpha. About a year earlier in September, a... A uh, contract rigger mm-hmm. uh, was killed in an accident, and it was an accident that could have been avoided if they had codified the shift handover procedures, mm-hmm. which also could have avoided this. Oh, gotcha. So if you had someone physically saying, hello, night shift, uh, hello, night shift. here's a bebo Don't... about what we did during the day. 
don't turn on pump A. <laughs> yeah, I can Night. see where that I'm would going be to bed. Good night. Yeah. Instead, instead of just leaving a post-it note that you know flutters down. Yeah. But uh, they just weren't doing that. They just weren't doing that. Yeah. The, okay. the 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 leaving notes for each other system worked. Mm. So there you go. That's really something you want to rely on for something a little more low stakes, I feel. Yeah. Notes are for like when your significant other is going to the grocery store and you want to make sure they get the eggs. Don't forget Sally's birthday next week. Yeah. Yeah. I I just really hate that. I really really hate the note. I don't know why. Yeah, I'm I'm not a big fan of it. Uh, so, Piper Alpha was insured by Lloyd's of London. <laughs> oh, Lloyd's. <laughs> They're so creative. They will insure anything, anything. I want you to guess what the uh, insurance loss was. Four trillion dollars. No, no, pounds. <laughs> okay. Because it's, it's the UK. You're not too far off. Really? $1.4 billion. Okay. I was... I was over by a little, but that's pretty close. That is the largest insured man-made catastrophe ever. Can you imagine what the premium must have been? They're an oil company. They could afford it. Right? They could afford this whole thing. They could afford to hire someone to supervise the shift change. They could afford mm -hmm. a sticky memo instead of the regular kind. Just don't, don't like this. I, I hate an industrial accident and... Uh, this is and just one that's about the worst. So simple. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, the end of the Cullen report did conclude that the initial condensate leak was the result of maintenance work being carried out simultaneously on a pump and related safety valve, mm -hmm. uh, which is which means that Occidental Oil had inadequate maintenance and safety procedures. So no criminal charges were ever brought against the company. Find forty five dollars. Nothing. Nope. What is that, like 150 people dead? Uh, 165 people. And their employer who paid them to be plus, there and designed all these crappy systems? Plus the two guys for the rescue vessel. They were not found well. liable. Is that, is that yeah. right? Okay. Yep, that's correct. Well. Yes. However, <sighs> uh, they did make some changes to North Sea safety procedures. Okay. Uh, including the enactment of the Offshore Safety Act of 1992, which basically meant you have to prove to us that this is safe before something bad happens, hey. not claim it was fine until this happened. I love it. When something happens. Um, and also that the safety enforcement for the North Sea should no longer be under the auspices of the Department of Energy. <laughs> oh, man. Was but it? the Department... But the uh, health and safety executive. Oh, you're kidding me. Well, because you see, having production and safety overseen by the same in, uh, agency might be seen by some as a, as a minor conflict of interest. Because it is. Because it's a massive one. Only not minor, yeah. Yep. Um, the fast rescue boat of the MV Silver Pit, a uh, standby safety vessel, did manage to rescue 37 out of the 59 survivors. Wow. So uh, they received the George Medal, uh, which is awarded for gallantry not in the face of the enemy. You know, it's what you get in peacetime. I guess. So okay. that was nice. 
There are two memorials, one in Hazelhead Park in Aberdeen, uh, which is a statue of three oil workers, Mm -hmm. and a beautiful stained glass piece in the Fairy Hill Church of Aberdeen. There are still drills out there, right? I mean, there are still rigs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Pulling oil out of the ocean floor is a tricky business. It's dangerous. Uh, it's highly flammable. No. You would and... think the water would make it safer. Yeah, right? It really doesn't, does um, And, you know, there's really no getting around that it is an incredibly, incredibly dangerous uh, form of work. Mm-hmm. So nothing quite like it has happened since, but... Continues to be dangerous. It continues to be one of those things that absolutely under the right conditions probably could happen again. Oh, God. Yeah. All right. Although we gave you slightly exaggerated credentials at the top of the show, we do fact check our stories in an effort to give you the best disaster experience possible. If you'd like to read more about our sources, a complete bibliography is available in our show notes. If we got anything wrong, please let us know. You can do that by emailing us at relative.disasters at gmail.com, or if you'd like to shame us publicly. No, you do. Why not use our Instagram at relative.disasters? Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Relative Disasters. We hope you've enjoyed the story and the discussion, and please join us next time for another strange, dangerous, and interesting event from history. My sister has selected our next disaster. What's it going to be, Ella? This was a reader's suggestion from Instagram. Okie doke. You know I love a volcano. Uh-huh. You know I love an active stratovolcano. Yeah, yeah. Next week, we're going to cover the Tungiway disaster. Uh, this one has it all. It's got active volcanoes. It's got a mudslide. It's got a flood. Oh. And it's got a train wreck. All right. Well, that sounds amazing. And I can't wait to talk about it with you.